You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi-weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution, exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. The subcommittee will come to order. Without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recess at any time. We welcome everyone to today's hearing on online platforms and market power, part six, examining the dominance of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. On July 29th, the CEOs of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google appeared via video chat before the U.S. House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust Law. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, these corporations already stood out as titans in our economy. In the wake of COVID-19, however, they're likely to emerge stronger and more powerful than ever before. Headed by Democratic Congressman David Cicilline, the subcommittee sought to answer one of the most vital questions facing our nation. Whether these big tech companies have attained monopoly status, and whether that monopoly power has coarsened democracy. These platforms abuse their control over current technologies to extend their power, whether it's through self-preferencing, predatory pricing, or requiring users to buy additional products, the dominant platforms have wielded their power in destructive, harmful ways in order to expand. From Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Uh, I, I can't answer that question, yes or no. What I can tell you is- To Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. Congressman, the space of, of people connecting with other people is a very large space, and I, I would agree- To Sundar Pichai of Google. We complied with laws in 2016. Uh, as a company, any work we do around elections uh, is non-partisan. And to Tim Cook of Apple. The pandemic is a tragedy, and it's it's hurting uh, Americans and many people from all around the world, and we would never take advantage of that. The CEOs tried to shield themselves from the increasingly obvious truth. The tech giants have too much power. Our founders would not bow before a king nor should we bow before the emperors of the online economy. As the gap winnows between now and the November election, understanding the impact of big tech on U.S. public life has never been more important. Thanks for joining our podcast. I'm Darrell West, Vice President of Governance Studies at the Brookings Institution and co-author with Brookings President John Allen of a new book about AI entitled Turning Point, Policymaking in the Era of Artificial Intelligence. There is a growing tech lash against the technology sector. Public opinion surveys show concern about several aspects of digital change. An Edelman Trust Barometer found 61% think tech change is moving too quickly, and another 66% say it is hard to distinguish real from fake information. At the same time, there are several moves to regulate tech firms at the state and local levels. California has passed a new law designed to improve privacy protection. Some communities have banned the use of facial recognition software or placed restrictions on Airbnb rentals. We are seeing new rules on the gig economy and how people get classified as independent contractors. And at the national level, the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice have opened investigations into uh, major technology companies for unfair competition. All this raises the question of whether America is moving into a new era of tougher antitrust enforcement against technology companies. 
To discuss these issues, we are pleased to be joined by a leading member of Congress. David Cicilline is chair of the Antitrust Subcommittee of the House Judiciary Committee. Over the past year, that subcommittee has held hearings across the nation and compiled what it sees as evidence of unfair practices by large tech companies. Congressman Cicilline was elected to the House in 2010 and previously served as mayor of Providence. I first met him in 1982 when he was a student in my very first class at Brown University, and it's been great to see all the terrific things he has done over the years. Congressman, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good to be with you. So you recently grilled the CEOs of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google Alphabet. In your opening remarks, you called them the emperors of the online economy and claimed they were engaged in unfair competition. From your standpoint, how are they engaging in unfair competition? Well, the hearing that you reference is the really the final hearing in what has been more than a year-long investigation by the Antitrust Subcommittee, a bipartisan investigation uh, that is looking at the digital marketplace and the really monopoly power of these large platforms. The first major antitrust investigation of the Congress in more than 50 years. And what we have discovered during the course of this investigation is that these platforms really have monopoly power. They're using that power to maintain their monopoly positions, to disadvantage competitors, uh, to intrude on the privacy of consumers, uh, to spy on their rivals and use third-party data uh, to permit or assist the dissemination of misinformation. Uh, and um, to really use that market power to hike fees and bully competitors. All the things that monopolists do that are uh, particularly problematic and uh, why regaining competition in the digital marketplace is such an important priority. So now that you have held several hearings, what kinds of changes do we need to make either in antitrust policy or antitrust enforcement? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that the, the situation we find ourselves in with respect to the digital platforms is, is partly a result of the lack of good antitrust enforcement, robust enforcement by both Democratic and Republican administrations. I think there was a sense that these are great American companies providing really interesting services and a lot of excitement in people's attitude were, was sort of let them flourish, leave them alone, not fully appreciating at the time what their market dominance would produce and what the implications were for the kind of market share that they had. I think the Europeans were ahead of us in sort of understanding that. So I think really good, strong antitrust enforcement is critical. That means making certain that the antitrust laws are capable of responding to the competition challenges in the 21st century. I mean, these the, our antitrust laws were written at the turn of the last century in response to the railroad and oil monopolies. This is quite a different economy. So one of the things that we're looking at during the course of this investigation is, do we have to modernize or update our antitrust statutes to reflect the challenges uh, that the lack of competition in the digital marketplace presents? Are antitrust agencies resourced properly so that they can vigorously enforce competition policy? And are they staffed and led by people who are sufficiently enthusiastic and creative to use the existing antitrust laws uh, in a way that really promotes competition. But one of the things the investigation is looking at and what we expect to do when we complete the report is put together a menu of options for policymakers, including my colleagues, 
on ways that we can bring more competition into this digital marketplace. That can range from some really obvious things like requiring portability and interoperability so people can move from one platform to another easily without friction that will help create more opportunities for new entrants into the marketplace, all the way to things like um, having sort of a glass steagle for the internet that is not allowing someone to be both a seller of goods and services and a person who controls the marketplace, um, that you can be one or the other. You can't set all the rules, control the marketplace, and also sell on it in the way that Amazon does, for example. So I think we'll have a whole menu of ideas this, this effort has been very bipartisan. We may not have bipartisan agreement on every single recommendation, but the purpose of the investigation is to thoroughly understand the marketplace and then develop a set of solutions, both in terms of statutory changes and propose new regulations to bring competition back into the space. So that's an interesting idea about a new Glass-Steagall Act for the internet. Do you have a sense of what that would look like? Yes. I mean, I think it's a really, I mean, to me, it's one of the kind of obvious things to consider in response to uh, particularly the conduct of Amazon. I mean, you think about the inherent conflict that you would allow Amazon to control the marketplace, set all the rules for your presence on the marketplace, gather information from people who are in the marketplace, um, learn about what products are selling, where they're selling, what consumers are uh, most interested in, and then using that to roll out their own private label product to compete directly with the people who are in their marketplace. There's an inherent conflict in that. And so this idea of separating out those two functions, saying you can do one or the other, you need to be the producer of goods and services and sell in this marketplace, or you can control the marketplace, but you can't do both because there are too many inherent conflicts. So I think you would you would have to break up those or require the separation of those functions in a company that's currently doing both. Um, so that's one idea. I think that you know there are other um, transactions that I think um, if you look at Facebook, I mean Mark Zuckerberg acknowledged at our hearing that the acquisition of WhatsApp was a direct response to their perception that. Uh, they were a competitor, a potentially threatening competitor, and acquiring them was a strategy to prevent that from happening. That is, you know, conduct of a monopolist. That should transaction should not have been approved, and there are opportunities to unwind transactions that should not have gone forward. So those are some of the big ideas. Um, but pro, you know, prohibitions against uh, um, practices which favor your own goods and services, which give the impression to consumers that there's some kind of objective, neutral way that information is uh, surfaced when, in fact, it very often relates to the business relationship between the platform and the product or the company. So more transparency. So there are there's a whole range of um, requirements that I think we can impose that will, you know, create more competition, bring more transparency, and frankly, create opportunities for new entrants into the market. Part of the reason we want competition in this space is you want to leave room for the next Facebook or the next Apple or the next Amazon to give a company an opportunity to compete successfully. And with the monopoly power that these platforms have, that's almost impossible right now. So much of antitrust law has been based on the consumer welfare standard. In order to bring antitrust actions, there has to be discernible harm to consumers. 
The tech companies say they're providing free products and services so they can't be harming consumers. Do we need to change the consumer welfare standard or add other criteria to that principle? Well, I would first challenge the the notion that they're providing free products. Um, Consumers are paying for these products with the most valuable commodity they have. That's their eyeballs, their attention, their time. They're also paying for it with you know, a enormously valuable set of personal data that then is weaponized or monetized to produce enormous profits for these platforms. These are data uh, gathering companies. And so the notion that um, consumers are getting these services for free is just not true. They're paying for them with very, very valuable personal data that then is used to generate enormous profits for these companies. Uh, so I would say, one, even if you had the consumer welfare standard, one could certainly argue uh, that the cost that is being imposed for these services uh, is significant. But one also, I think, has to look at whether or not that standard, which was really created by the courts, is sufficient, whether or not we ought to be looking at the impact on the economy, the impact on workers, the impact on innovation, a series of other important values that antitrust is intended to preserve and enhance, and whether or not we need to look at a broader definition uh, than consumer welfare as it relates to price, which is typically how antitrust cases have uh, developed. What would you expect from a President Biden in terms of antitrust and competition policy? I think, you know, a President Biden um, will uh, look at the responsibilities of antitrust enforcement in the digital marketplace in a much more serious way than has been uh, conducted in the past. He's spoken about this on the campaign trail some. Uh, I think some of his economic advisors have been very critical of the market power of these large technology platforms. And I expect that that Vice President Biden, who has built his career on fighting for the middle class and for working families and fighting against powerful corporate special interests, will understand that we are in the battle for the soul of our democracy. And this battle between monopoly and democracy has uh, been almost going on as almost as long as our country has been in existence. And this concentrated economic power uh, that these large technology platforms represent is inconsistent uh, with democracy. And uh, when you look at the impact it's had on our elections and on the dissemination of misinformation, uh, it becomes even more critical that we uh, vigorously enforce antitrust and create real competition. So I think we'll find a leader on this issue in a President Biden and Vice President Harris and people who staff these enforcement agencies that understand the seriousness of this responsibility and will get to work in a serious way. Do you think at least some Republicans will will support the move to tougher enforcement actions? I mean, at the CEO hearing, several Republicans seem more concerned about alleged political bias on the part of the tech companies than anti-competitive behavior. Is there anything Congress needs to do to address political and or ideological biases in the tech area? And should we expect some Republicans to support tougher enforcement? Well, this investigation has been very bipartisan. Doug Collins, who was the ranking member of the full Judiciary Committee, was very much a part of this investigation. Uh, Mr. Armstrong, Mr. Sensenbrenner, uh, Ken Buck from Colorado have been very active. Um, As I said, we may not agree on every single recommendation that we've finally developed in this menu, but uh, we held a 
the field hearing in Colorado with a number of small businesses who talked about their experiences with these large platforms. And I think it was a real turning point in the investigation. But my Republican colleagues have expressed grave concern about the market dominance of these platforms. Uh, I know Mr. Jordan spent a lot of time talking about the political bias. Uh, the truth is there's no uh, evidence whatsoever that there's any uh, anti-conservative bias in the platforms. Uh, and I think that was uh, sort of a wasted opportunity to focus on that. But I think the vast majority of the Republicans on the subcommittee that have been involved with this investigation understand the serious competition problems that exist. And I expect that we'll have bipartisan support for a number of recommendations that we bring forward. In 2021, when the new Congress convenes, there will be many issues to address in a wide variety of areas. How high on the agenda do you expect antitrust legislation to be? Will there be an antitrust or competition policy bill introduced, uh, will be introduced right away or maybe a little later in that year? Um, I hope it will have a, a very high priority, and we expect to introduce some legislation at the end of this Congress. The report, I expect, will be done in early September, and that's purposeful so that we will have an opportunity to actually introduce some legislation in this Congress to begin uh, to kind of um, lay out for my colleagues what we think are some of the best and most responsible approaches to this challenge. Um, I think it has to be a priority. I think, you know, one of the things that we have talked a lot about in the House Democratic Caucus is the fact that our economy is not working for lots of folks, that it continues to work very well for people at the top, for the wealthiest people and the most successful corporations in this country, but that wages for working families have remained fairly stagnant and they haven't experienced the same benefits from a growing economy that was uh, taking place pre-COVID. Part of that is because of market concentration, because of the mega mergers and the dominance of these large technology platforms and other uh, big mega merges in healthcare and, and in other places throughout our economy. And so I expect that if we're serious about taking on uh, these economic challenges so we can get an economy in this country that works for everyone and that doesn't allow monopolies or companies with monopoly power to continue to grow their market share in a way that disadvantages consumers and privacy and workers and innovation, then we have to make this a real priority. So the Federal Trade Commission is the point agency, along with DOJ, for a lot of competition policy issues. Does the FTC right now have the financial resources and staffing uh, to do what you think needs to get done? Well, I, I, I don't think they're getting it done. Uh, I've been very critical of the FTC. I think in part it's because Congress has not uh, provided the resources necessary. We did provide some increase in the last appropriations bill. Uh, but the reality is if, if we are going to expect the Department of Justice and the FTC to vigorously engage in antitrust enforcement that often includes litigation, we need to be prepared to provide the resources to litigate these claims. This, these are expensive, time-consuming, complicated actions. And you know, there's no question that some of the reticence of our enforcement agencies uh, to move forward is, is uh, as a consequence of just not having enough staff and enough resources. But that's only part of the problem. I think there has been also some unwillingness to take on these uh, companies in a serious way. And even when uh, you know actions have been filed, there has been, in my view, too, uh, too much willingness to settle these uh, uh, antitrust violations with 
very modest fines relative to the earnings of these companies, which they often perceive as just cost of doing business. If they get to continue to maintain or grow their monopoly power, paying a fine of a few billion dollars is just a cost of doing business. So they definitely need new, more resources. They definitely need additional staff. But most importantly, they need leadership of these agencies and a president and an administration that is serious about antitrust enforcement. So you mentioned that Europe is or has been ahead of the United States on many technology issues. Are there ways the U.S. and the EU should be working together on competition issues? Yes. And in fact, um, I'm a member of something called the International Grand Committee, which is a, a gathering of 12 countries that are looking at competition policy in the digital marketplace, particularly as it relates to the dissemination of misinformation and undermining democracies. Um, and so I think there's a lot we can learn from each other. Um, we have been in trust with a number of the uh, antitrust enforcement agencies of our European partners, uh, both to learn about and share some information with respect to our investigations, to learn about the implementation of the GDPR and how that has worked. So, you know, I think uh, to the extent that we identify common approaches, that makes sense for American companies so that they don't have one standard here and a different standard in a uh, European allies uh, country, but um, more, most importantly, I think we, you know, as we're investigating and uh, enforcement proceedings are underway, sharing information that we're collecting so that when we develop solutions, that they actually respond to the real challenges and that they, they're solutions that solve the problems. These are really complicated markets. It's very easy to identify the problem. It's a little bit more difficult to identify solutions that really strike the right balance to ensure that there's real competition in this marketplace, but that also we allow companies uh, to compete and grow and, and make space for new entrants into the market. At the CEO hearing, you pointed out that concentrated economic power also leads to concentrated political power. Is that reality going to make it impossible for our political system to enact meaningful policy changes? Well, it's going to certainly make it more difficult. Uh, you know, one of the big priorities of the House Democrats and one of the reasons that we assigned the bill number one to the very first bill we did in the new Congress, H.R. 1, the biggest um, anti-corruption piece of legislation passed by Congress since Watergate to really get at the corrupting influence of money in our political system and to move toward greater transparency uh, to get rid of Citizens United, to move toward a citizen-based, um, uh, citizen-financed uh, uh, congressional elections and, and a number of other reforms, is, you know, the corrupting influence of money in our political system has made all of this work more difficult. It's, it's one of the reasons we don't have good gun safety policy in this country. It's one of the reasons we don't have good environmental policy in this country. It's one of the reasons that we pay the highest prices for prescription drugs because of the power and influence of the pharmaceutical lobby. And I suspect it will be one of the reasons that we will have great difficulty um, passing important reforms in the digital marketplace because of the enormous economic power, virtually limitless economic power of these large technology platforms who have ramped up their lobbying and their contributions to political campaigns, um, particularly in the last couple of years as this investigation has been ongoing. So, you know, this is not a new fight. Um, it exists in a lot of areas, unfortunately, and it's one of the reasons that I think we have to take on in a serious way, the corporate money in our elections and the influence of money broadly in our political system.
Uh, you have told Americans we should not let ourselves be governed by private monopolies. Have we reached the point where we are governed by private monopolies? Well, you know, I think for a number of people in this country who use these platforms and rely on them for their personal lives, for their business lives, for their social lives, they are collecting a frightening amount of data to do kind of predictive analysis to sell that data to people who are selling goods and services. And they're really setting the rules for our economy. Um, and I think that is very dangerous. Um, we ought not live in a country where private monopolies have this kind of power uh, in our lives. Uh, we ought to govern ourselves to the people we elect. And I think, yes, I think if you look at the size of these companies and the kind of power they have in the daily lives of most people in this country, it's very clear that they have what we would, any fair person would describe as monopoly power and uh, are making decisions now that are beginning to affect the quality of our democracy. If you think about Cambridge Analytica and the widespread dissemination of false information on these platforms with no regard uh, to any responsibility to prevent that from happening, and in fact, understanding that they make more money based on the engagement of people. And it's no surprise that people become more and more engaged the more outrageous claims are on these platforms. And so they're making more money uh, even with some of the most outrageous, untrue things that are being disseminated on the internet, that that strikes at the very heart of our democracy. You look at what's happening to local media, where they're collecting and keeping and using content from local newspapers and taking basically the bulk of the ad revenues that are putting local newspapers out of business. Um, and local newspapers just don't produce widgets. They produce reliable, trustworthy news to hold public officials to account, to expose corruption. Um, the loss of local news has a detrimental impact on the quality of our democracy. That's just one example. So this is serious. This is impactful. And we have to get a handle on it if we're going to retain a vibrant, thriving democracy in this country. I want to thank Congressman Cicilline for sharing his thoughts with us. Uh, we write regularly about these topics on our Brookings Tech Tank blog, and you can find those articles at brookings.edu. Uh, let us know if you have any reactions to this podcast. Uh, you can send feedback to dwest at brookings.edu. We look forward to hearing your suggestions. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Tech Tank, a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the Tech Tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.